WDC WDC Oh wow very very nice Hi Hey Adam Hello my love How you doing friend How's it going It's going great I'm on a I'm on a I'm on cloud 9 Yeah I'm on iCloud drive 9 Let's hope it works a little better than iCloud Drive Eight. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, so, so uh, in case someone who listens to this podcast does not already know, um, we just had something wonderful happen yesterday. We just had the WWDC keynote. Yeah, and that is the Worldwide Developers Conference. That's Apple's uh, time to come out and talk about all the developer-facing features, their new software for the following year, basically. It's basically Disneyland for nerds. Yes. And this was a doozy. It was uh, chock full, and there was just a million things, so we're probably not going to hit everything that we would like to hit, but uh, we're going to do a cursory overview and then talk about its implications. So, yeah. So, what was your what were your overall impressions of DubDub? Well, first things first. Things first um, Dave's not a terrible person. He's pretending to be a terrible person. Only terrible people call it dub dub. Yeah, just you say dub dub. No, I don't say dub dub. Oh, okay, yeah. I was just not. No, I was just. You're being awesome and hilarious and wonderful because mm, everyone loves you. Yeah, and you're wonderful. Thanks, Adam. Yeah, uh, the overall impression was that, um, like. Apple felt very different. This felt like a very different pod. Uh, wow. Very different keynote to me uh, from last year's. Very different podcast. Very different podcast. People were visible on stage. Now, um, you had this incredibly polished and natural feeling, Craig uh, Federighi doing almost every single one of the announcements. Uh, there was no hardware release, so Phil Schiller never even took the stage. And Craig did almost the entire thing with just brief interstitials from um, from Tim Cook. <laughs> and Tim Cook, you know, who I think is a great CEO, but can sometimes come off as a little bit of a robot, um, really just did a great job and was totally different than uh, the, the normal Tim. He was comfortable, he was funny, and he was punchy. Um, he was still slow because I think that actually is how he talks. You I mean think he his, just likes to his talk. diction? He he has the southern drawl. He's got a southern drawl, and he does not mind pausing, which I think is good. I need to pause more often when I'm speaking. Pause. Um, pause. Stare. Stare. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I think um, he, he he. But he just he really he he felt different, and I think it's easy to sort of be different when you know you've got something great to release. And so that probably had no small part uh, had no small part for uh, for explaining why everybody was just so on point and so polished. Um, and man, they were cracking jokes like crazy left and right. They're making jokes about other uh, names for the next uh, release of <laughs> OS 10. We had, we had a hilarious one about Oxnard and weed. Um, which were you know a little bit cheesy and but overall it it played well and uh, they they didn't dwell on the jokes it didn't get tired it wasn't like a Samsung or a Microsoft keynote so it worked well yeah I thought it was I thought it was polished <laughs> and no I thought it moved I thought it moved along um, I mean it was almost two hours long which is True. very long but I don't think they sometimes they get into so much depth. And they feel like they need to show you every wrinkle in iPhoto and every little slider and sub feature. And it's just like, God, I don't care. And this, it almost felt like there were a lot of things that I wanted to know more details about. And there was, there were no more details. Um, it was almost like they were just, they just were just flying through everything. Yeah. They, they were going nuts. It was, it was totally filled with awesome stuff. And you're right. The, 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 the part that's always terrible is when they start to talk about how great iPhoto is and nobody has ever cared about <laughs> iPhoto. Especially developers. Exactly. Exactly. So, so going, yeah, oh, I, sorry. I, you want to talk about iOS or you want, no, you want to talk about OS 10. Yes. I think what we can follow their, their, the basic way that they sketched it out. They kind of started with what's least important and got to the biggest deal towards the end. So yeah, I think we can probably do the same. 
Um, first things first, uh, the next re- version of OS 10 is not called OS 10 weed Oxnard or something Cucamonja or something like that. It is in fact called OS 10 Yosemite, um, which is exactly what Gruber predicted. Uh, Oh, which, yeah, I, I, I feel like he wasn't taking as much of a guess as he likes to pretend. Just pick that one out of a hat. He's like, my money is on Yosemite. It's like, yeah, okay. Okay, John. It's so odd because I thought Yosemite was like a really old code name for this old OS or something. Or I think it was a code name for like a like a Pro Mac. Oh. Yeah, it was. But that just that really dates me. It was like a one of the G three towers was like Codename Yosemite. So I was um, Really? Yeah, I was happy to see that come back. That was why I think I just I just dismissed these rumors that it was going to be Yosemite. I liked the fact when they uh, called the uh, developer release uh, Kodiak. Oh, yeah? Yeah, that was the first developer release of, uh, of OS X. It was called Kodiak, apparently. And then they switched over to cats instead of bears. Yeah, so what, what did you think of OS X? All right, boom. Let's, let's get right into it. So the first things first, we got ourselves a, um, a somewhat OS, uh, sorry, iOS 7 visual overhaul um basically what that means is that uh they didn't try to do some weird thing where they refuse to have windows overlapping it's still a functional (laughs) computer os but uh, gradients are kind of eliminated in favor of transparency um it's a little bit weird um i'm not totally sure i like transparency in a computer os but again I'm not sure it's mandatory. In fact, I'm pretty sure it's not mandatory for other developers to use it. So if it actually ends up being a poor choice, um, it may be something that we only see in Apple's apps. Uh, um, yeah, like you could, you know, okay, I see. So you mean developers could opt to use uh, transparency solid, or not? Solid, yeah, color okay. instead of do that. You think, do you think it might be like a system level um, OS thing? Like you could turn it off or... In, that, that's my understanding is that you have to opt in. I, that's right, that's right. Sort of what but I've I mean, I mean, regardless of if you opt in or not, if you go into oh, system sorry. preferences and there's a check mark like turn off translucency, there there almost certainly will not be a something in system preferences, but there may well be something that you can do in terminal. There may be a command uh, that you can just use a hacky thing. Yeah, I don't know. I feel kind of. I'm just not sure. They were so show offy about. Oh, look at the title bar, and you can see the um, you can see the background picture, the desktop picture through through the window. And I'm just, I don't really know what that adds. And it, it's actually a little bit weirder. Um, sidebars show through to the desktop, so so you, that makes a little that makes a little more sense. Yeah, and whereas the 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 top of um, top of Windows actually just shows through to the window content underneath. So, like, if you're scrolling in Safari, the text of of Safari will show up. Oh, excuse me. This text of Safari will show up underneath your title bar, but y- your sidebar is that's what will show through to your background, uh, other oh. windows, and other crap like that. Hmm. So, your title bar will be more solid, which I think is the right way to go. You don't want that just to be showing through to your desktop. Oh, but okay. Still, I I don't really necessarily need to see something under the title bar. It just seems weird to me. Yeah. Part okay. So parts will be trans parent and parts of it won't be they changed the system font which has been a long time coming um it's been long since we have been able to uh, render helvetica properly so helvetica noia is uh here in full effect and it's a welcome change they've been using it on ios for a while um let's see what else is good uh they enabled a dark mode where there's sort of like a lighter mode and then this darker mode and and it looks really great. I really like the fact that we have this sort of darker transparency, darker chrome. I actually think that that's one place where the transparency could work, as if it's um, if it's in that mode rather than the sort of the the bloomy white mode. As a graphic designer, do you find a darker a darker sort of window treatment and everything to be uh, better for you? Or Ab- absolutely, Adobe. Um, has included it in its last release of software, and all of my um, all my applications that that support it, I use the darkest, well, the second to darkest setting possible. Basically, um, it's it's very helpful. It just kind of gets windows out of your vision. You don't pay as much attention to them. They're not glaring at you from the side. So that's good. Yeah, that's great. Um, 
They have a they have a dock on the bottom that's also translucent, which is fine. Yeah, I think that's okay. But then there's some icons on that dock, Dave. Yeah. There's some icons on that dock, and those icons are travesties. Not all of them, but some of them are travesties. Um, the finder icon in particular is absolutely hideous. God. Um, it's weirdly rounded, like all the shapes inside of it are weirdly rounded. And they've sort of done this thing in general where they've softened edges in um, in OS X and all these icons. And they've adopted three def- default shapes. They have sort of rounded rectangles. They have um, rounded rectangles at an angle, you know, sort of offset and tilting backwards. And then they have yeah. circles. So these are the three sort of standardized icons that they're suggesting. Um, the one of the finder is terrible. Just terrible. Yeah, I need to look at that again because that just jumped out at me during the presentation. I... I um... I didn't like that. It's bad. It's it, the colors are garish and it's it's just it's a little too friendly. Um, they all use they all use drop shadows within themselves, which is fine in some places, but it's really bad in the Finder. I I, I actually might alter that icon. <laughs> um, uh, just just on your own. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and then the oh man, the settings one is terrible too. It's got the same. Um, it's got the same weird-looking bike gear type problem that I've always hated about the ones from iOS 7. Hmm. Um, but yeah, the ones from iOS 7 are much sharper and have a little bit more... They're not afraid to have angles, whereas these, a lot of the things are much more rounded and soft. And I think the colors are a little bit more muted as well. They're not quite as bright and vibrant and, um, and uh, intense as the iOS ones. And I've started to... That's kind of started to grow on me, actually, in iOS, so... I don't know. We'll we'll see how this one does over time. Yeah, I don't know what I'm. I'm. I didn't really like the um the sort of slanted icons. Um, I don't know. It seemed a little, again, kind of skeuomorphic, and kind of like oh, you have a piece of paper, but it's slightly tilted to the side, versus yeah. Um. I don't know. I just, it just seems a little, I can almost see it if it's something, if it's like a photo and you want to show that, oh, this is a Polaroid and it's a photo and the photo, I can see that because that kind of resembles a real, a real world thing. But like a lot of these, but everything else, I guess they kind of are like maps, the address book. I guess a lot of them are like notebooks, calendars, the mail program is tilted to the side for some reason but i guess that icon is a postage stamp i don't know it's very it's just very odd it breaks the convention that the other two have which are just um two-dimensional objects either rounded either rounded rectangles or circles i mean i i think you could have done something to sort of say to developers hey you don't need to make your icon a circle in order to make it work um I don't know. I, th- I think this may just sort of be a half step and they're all just fighting and they can't all decide exactly on which one to pick. So they're, they're going with this instead. But really, I think for consistency's sake, they should all be um, flat shapes and not tilt, you know, listing off lazily to the side. Yeah, I agree. Then after that, uh, we got ourselves a kick-ass uh, uh, spotlight uh, replacement. That now does all the things that I want it to do. Um, it functions very similar to Alfred, um, and I'm very happy. What is Alfred like? What what is that? Alfred is um, it's a class of application called a launcher, but it really does a lot more than that. So I type um, option spacebar, and this little box comes up for me. And as I start to type things in, it gives me suggestions. So if I start to type in P-H-O, it'll give me iPhoto and Photoshop. Um, it'll give me Photoshop first because I open that a heck of a lot more often. <laughs> uh, and then if I press return, it just opens that up for me. But why, um, so I just use I just use uh, Spotlight, which you press command spacebar and you, you do it. And I type in F-H-O and I have, you know, iPhoto, Photo Booth. Yeah, so what else, what else do you use it for? Right, so that's the sort of the first thing. The second thing is to find files very much like Spotlight it works now. But the third thing is you can just start sort of search terms, and it will then uh, kick it off to a Google search. Um, you can start to type in 
math problems and it'll do the math for you. Mm. Um, you can have rules and sorts of behaviors for it. You can very, very granularly change what it does and doesn't search for. Is this in, um, is this in Alfred or in Spotlight Alfred. in Yosemite? Okay, gotcha. Oh, but Yosemite now is going to do all those things as well. Um, so it's taking a cue from Alfred and I think it's something that's, it's changed how I use my Mac so much. I'm surprised they didn't do it sooner. Um, Quick, this really started with an app called Quicksilver, and it's been indispensable for the people that have gotten used to it. Um, so I think this is going to be a great thing. And if anyone starts to use it, they're really going to have a great time. Do you use it? Um, does Alfred search the web for you? And or do you use it like that? Absolutely. I use that and it opens Safari and then searches that term I've just entered in there. If And it does that automatically if it doesn't match anything on my computer or uh, as it, you know, it doesn't match an app. Yeah. So if I search for, um, you know, uh, WWDC Keynote 2014, well, nothing close to that is on my computer. So boom, it just searches for that for me in Google. So do you ra- is this your regular go-to search field? I mean, do you bother? Go- yep. Really? Do you, do you bother even? I never, I never type in the top of Safari. Wow. To search things anymore. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's that's... always one keystroke away. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess tab... Uh, you know, I'm hitting tab. Kaboom. Yeah, I guess you're right. It's pretty powerful. And I think that's great. And it's nice to see that sort of um, bolster the tab browsing that we saw in Finder. So I'm I'm pretty happy about that. Um, there's a huge notification and sort of widget system. Um, I was very positive about how it was going to work in Mountain Lion and Mavericks as well. So, but I haven't really actually enjoyed a uh, notification center at all. So we'll see if it gets any better. Um, yeah. I like being able to have something like, um, like a calculator that can just live over there or um, you can also have third party uh, widgets as well, um, which can live true. over. So how do you, how do you summon that? I think it's a swipe from the side or you clicked in the top right. Okay, a swipe and then it comes. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And you know what? I mean, with widgets there and sort of the things that would have been in, you know, your old, um, remember Dashboard? It actually still exists, amazingly enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, Dashboard has a little calculator, has a little puzzle, and has a little this, you know. Oh, yeah. This, this I think, is a smart way. Oh, yeah. You know, I actually, I actually use the Dashboard. Oh, you do? Yeah, mostly for those things that you mentioned. Oh, nice. It's a little weird to have the calculator live over there because generally you want it to be in line with everything. You know, you want to see it on the screen with whatever you're probably calculating. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. So this way you will, which is kind of nice. Yeah. And um, anyway, so that that's the that's the notification center um, update. It looks really nice. Um Mail's got a whole bunch of awesome things, including that if you get a bounce back because the attachment's too big, they just give you an encrypted download. Yeah. You know, it, this it's is huge and it's up to yeah. five gigs. That's yeah. Enormous. Um, I think we may have talked about this. I don't think it went into any uh, podcast, but this is like one of these problems that has just bugged me forever, which is, you know, it's 2014. Why can't I just send someone an email with an attachment that's above 25 megs, let's say. And it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be a process where now, and you can do it through Gmail, but even that is not really that easy to do. So, but this is totally seamless. So yeah, Yeah. you can just send big files um, and it just, it should hopefully just work. You don't have to, Oh, now I need to go to you, send it.com and like, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And uh, and uh, what do you call it? You know, they got this whole markup situation going on there now too. Oh, I you lo- can I love that. I do that. So markup is it lets you annotate uh, photos or PDFs or stuff like that. Um, and this is something I use all the time as a graphic designer. You probably use this all the time, constantly uh, for prototyping. So my workflow before is I would go into either do it in preview which wasn't usually the best or in some other program, but now you can just do this from within mail, which is pretty, pretty great. It's amazing. It's going to like retouching workflow for me is going to get so much better. It's not even funny. Like it's, 
amazing. Yeah, I love it. Um, let's see, what else do we got that's really awesome? Uh, oh, iCloud Drive. Uh, they're finally taking a stab at Dropbox. Um, that's pretty good. I'm kind of happy about that. Um, how well it works, Lord only knows, but, uh, yeah. but it should be pretty amazing if it comes, if it's anywhere close. Um, just because it's something that you don't even have to install. You know what I mean? Like, it's so hard for me to tell my parents how to install Dropbox and share something with them. Yeah. Like, it's just kind of beyond them. But this, I'm like, look, Dad, do you want it on your phone? Okay, just drop it in your iCloud folder on the left. I think that's something that he can get. It'll already be there. That'll be fine. Um, and in that vein, you also have this incredible thing called uh, Handoff. And that is that if you have this supported, um, you know, with with that application. So let's say the more the most obvious one that would work is something like one that Apple makes. So either Pages or Numbers, and you're working on something or you're writing a note or an email. I like the email example. Or you're writing yeah. an email. Sure, that's great. You know, you're starting on your phone. You're writing an email and you're like, I'm right next to my computer. Why am I typing with this on my phone? Yeah. You put it down. You click on your Mac and then what comes up right there, but the draft that you already have. Oh. Amazing. Brilliant. Yeah. Uh, and if that works okay, we're going to be so happy about I, it. I love that so much because, I mean, I guess my iPad is in the other room, but yeah, that happens all the time. You're working on something, you need. you decide you want a keyboard or you, what about this? You're, you're looking at some product and you want to buy or you want to buy airplane tickets you're on your you're on your iPad or your your iPhone and then you're like you know what I, this would just be easier on the computer go over to the computer go to safari and like boom it has it has that page open so you can just do the purchase boom 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 you're done and you don't have to like oh i'll message myself the link yeah um and then even then you lose whatever info you've already put into the form so, yeah, this is just brilliant. It's going to be huge for browsing uh, on the web. It's going to be amazing. Like iCloud tabs has sort of existed, but this sounds so much better. Um, then we got yourself AirDrop, so you can actually just send little things from your phone to your computer and vice versa. But again, I think it's like so much less important than the handoff. Uh, and then lastly, you get to basically use your computer as a... Um, as a relay and a speakerphone so that you can answer phone calls and you can make phone calls using your computer. Those calls still technically are going through your phone. Um, I think they're doing this to sort of keep the carriers from getting freaked out. But you can make a phone call just by clicking on a number on a web page. How many times have you done that? On your computer. On your computer. On your computer, not on your phone. You yeah. click it on the computer, you use a speakerphone on your computer, but it's just taking it through your phone. And now even people that don't iMessage you, if they're just hitting you with an SMS, you still get notified of that on your computer in the uh, Mac Messages app. It's awesome. Yeah, I mean, you're blowing through a lot of stuff here. And that's, you know, again, because otherwise we're going to have like a four hour long podcast. But yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, the phone thing is like really obvious. Um, and yeah, like why shouldn't you be able to make phone calls from your computer um, or like why shouldn't you be able to, to, to pick up phone calls from your computer? It's just one of these like really obvious things that will make everything so much better and just really improve the integration between um, your computer and your iPhone and um, your iPad. And, and we don't know exactly how it works just yet. We don't know if it's um local Wi-Fi um which would be great. It also might be Bluetooth, which is okay, but not quite as good. Um, but it's all very much... For making the calls. for uh, Either for making the calls, but no, more about document transfer and making sure that it's going to be speedily able to hand oh. off your position in Safari and stuff. Um, but again, it's very local-based, so it's not the kind of thing that, you know, you're using your phone... Um, 50 feet away and then anyone can just see what you're doing on your computer. That's, that's not the idea. You're supposed to be very, very close. You have to get very, very close to your computer before these things are going to start handing off. Oh, I don't think it's that. I think if you're on the same network, it's specifically not having to be on the same Wi-Fi network. Uh, but in the presentation they were saying, Oh, you have your phone in the other room and then all of a sudden you can still answer the phone call. Like, it, I don't think this is short way. This is short 
uh, Bluetooth. I don't think this is like a 50 feet away type thing. They did say that thing about the being in the other room. That's true. Um, well, I don't know. Maybe you're right. I think I think for the browsing, I think it is needs to be closer. Really? That would um, be... Yeah. Uh, the browsing and the handoff. I think you need to be a little bit closer. Oh, man. that That's the sort of thing that, you know, it just kills you. If, if it doesn't work seamlessly and it doesn't just automatically work, people are going to not use it. And, and I've, I mean, um, like the, the unlocking feature that the uh, touch ID on the iPhone 5S, it's one of those things where like, I would love, I love using it, but you know, the first time you power up your phone, it doesn't work and you have to enter in the numbers or the first time you go to iTunes and you try to buy something, it doesn't work and you have to manually put in your pin code again. And I don't know. I think this stuff has to be so, so simple and obvious. And if you're on the network, it should be able to, to see it. I don't want to have to like gather all my devices into a room. Um, well, maybe, maybe it's that too. I mean, I, 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 I could be incorrect. It was, it was my interpretation that they specifically talked about it not being the kind of thing that could happen so that your privacy gets, uh, gets messed up. You know, I don't think it would be set up so anyone in the network could do it, but I'm sure there's some... Maybe, maybe that's what it is. Once you pair it, then they work together if they're on the network or, or within a certain amount of proximity. Yeah. But I think... Yeah, I could, see, I could see that. You have to, like, you have to set it up or allow the permissions first. Yeah. So... And then I think, uh, and then I think even then you don't actually have to be connected to the same Wi-Fi network. I think it's something that goes differently. Uh, like just like AirDrop and um, AirDrop, I think works over a Wi-Fi network, um, but I think it's I think it's computer to computer Wi-Fi. And uh, oh, okay, I got you. Yep. And 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 on iOS, AirDrop is actually working over Bluetooth low energy, so you can be connected to no Wi-Fi networks, but still switch things over. Mm. So what I mean to say, but basically Maybe. what I was trying to say is like. You don't have to be connected to the uh, to the same Wi-Fi network in order for you to transfer things. Yeah, maybe maybe it's a peer-to-peer Wi-Fi network, and there's no router that needs to be there. So they haven't told us that yet, for sure. Yeah. Um, point being, it's really exciting. Details, details. Um, the other thing that I really love, um, and this is something that's always kind of bummed me out, is, um, and hopefully the carriers won't screw this up, but it makes it seem like in the presentation you could just select your iPhone as a Wi-Fi hotspot um, and just use the internet. You know, if you have your if you have your computer, all of a sudden, you know, and you're somewhere that that's not in a Wi-Fi network, all of a sudden you can use your, you know, use use your computer's. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, use your phone's data plan. It's amazing. It's it makes so much sense. I I yeah. I really hope that AT&T and Verizon don't try to, you know, kick that under uh, the rug. Yeah, I don't have a good don't have a good feeling about that one. So, yeah, you want to talk about iOS? Yeah, absolutely. Um so the my my favorite thing about uh iOS 8 um has got to be um has got to be extensibility. Um this is finally the interact communication thing that we've been hoping for. Um, you are able to sort of use baby versions of your app uh, in other apps. You are able to sort of say, much like um, uh, uh, Windows contracts or Android's intense system, um, you're basically able to say, hey, I can do stuff with photos. So when something comes up uh, involving a photo, give me a shot. Um, and you know, the user obviously has control over this fact, but uh, but now you actually have the chance to do it instead of it only being something where you know you press a share button and it gives you three things that Apple's made and nothing else. Even though the only place you want to put this thing is into um, is into like Pocket or uh, Tweetbot or something else like that. So finally, we're we're starting to get some of the things that we really need um, to actually use our apps like we want to. Um, I see. So there's better there's better hooks between apps. And uh, better sharing of data between apps, which yeah. before you'd have to save something and then you'd have to go into the other app and you'd have to go and open the photo that you saved in your photo roll and find it and la 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 and you found it and now you've opened it. But now you should, 
maybe theoretically be able to just send it over there with one shot. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. So, I mean, it's like way more inter app communication. I mean, we didn't have inter app communication really before it was totally sandboxed. And so without, uh, without, you know, they, they can't just interact with each other's data willy nilly. They kind of still have to go through a process of, of asking, but they finally done this thing, which man, I've been, I've been waiting for, for two years worth of releases so that's that's huge right off the bat. Cool. What's your favorite feature, Dave? What's your favorite one? I, I guess the I mean, really, the continuity stuff really excites me the most. Um, being able to share stuff between between your iPhone and your computer, like that that sort of thing. Um, no, that that's huge. That's huge. Yeah. As far as the rest of the software, um, family sharing, I think, uh, you know, or just oh. the iOS updates, family sharing excites me and disappoints me at the same time because well it lets it lets um family sharing lets six people um six members of a family share purchases across devices um and itunes right which which is great if you're on the same credit card oh well yeah otherwise it'd just be six college students doing it (laughs) well i mean you know my wife and i we have different we have different credit cards. I mean, I have different credit cards. I have different, you know, I just, I wish, I wish there was some other. Yeah, but uh, come on. Is is your volume of purchases through the app store so great that you could not unify that one portion of your credit card life? Like, okay, all our apps go on my credit card. And then when she buys something, yeah, it comes onto your credit card, but dude, it's like three bucks. Like, who cares? Like, come on. Yeah, I don't know. We'll have to do a very, very careful inventory of all the. No, I. Yeah, you're I, just gonna I, audit her every month. I'm auditing. <laughs> I'll put on my little visor and my get out my accounting, um, typewriter here. No, I mean, I guess I was gonna say stethoscope, but that's. I not guess right. you may. I guess you make a good point. Um. Yeah, I don't know. And then, I mean, here's another question: Does this mean now that our accounts? are tied together. Am I going to be able to see all of her stuff that she's ever, you know, purchased or bought, you know, her TV shows, her movies, is all that going to be one thing now or? Yeah, that's accessible to you for sure. That's, they specifically made that point that you get to see her books, videos, uh, you know, music, um, apps. Um, yeah. This brings up an interesting point, though. What if one of us rents a video and the other one watches it? And then I guess that'd be kind of like a dick move. <laughs> like, oh, uh, and you've watched my movie. Okay, crap. I, I think you have bigger problems <laughs> if uh, if your people are spitefully renting each other, watching each other's rented videos yeah, just to no, screw the other no, person. No, you're right. You're right. You're absolutely right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no family family planning uh fa- wow family planning family, family planning. sharing <laughs> family planning is also great i am a proponent of that oh goodness no i think that um family sharing is awesome it's really cool that i can buy an app i can get into it then i can give it to my wife um so and so I now buy it for her yeah so if you buy an app she'll get it automatically? I don't think necessarily. I think you can do something so that it doesn't auto-download necessarily, uh-huh. but that she could download it if she wanted to. Um, oh, that's good. You know, that will probably, yeah. that'll probably save some save some money. I mean, this was still a big thing that like Android had together that, that iOS did not. So they're really catching up, and I think they're doing it in a very smart way. Um, I was surprised that the, the uh, developers seemed to applaud that because... Um, to me, it's like, here's a way for you to get less money. Yay. I think they know, though, that sometimes the better way to sell an app is to actually get it involved in a whole family. You know what I mean? And then the app gets used more. It becomes more a part of their lives. And then they actually get a customer more hooked in. Um, anyway, but yes, that that one's awesome. Um Man, man, man! What else? What else is really? Oh, killing? so, uh, so we talked about we talked about in uh, episode one of this this glorious podcast. We talked about different health tracking um, oh, stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, but so I guess health kit. It seems very basic now. Um, um, there's an app called Health, and um, 
it can it sort of integrates and pulls a bunch of this different health data from uh, I guess different tracking devices. Yeah, basically, it's like one spot for all your other devices to put all the data that they have, so they can all talk together. These various devices can't read each other's data, so none of these companies can sort of get too big of a picture of your health. Obviously, it's very sensitive information, so. There's a series of APIs for them to communicate and dump all their info into one place. You then get to look at it in a cohesive, um, you know, sort of timeline and in in one place. So that's stuff like um, how many steps you've taken, how you've been sleeping uh, for people with diabetes. Yeah, what's your weight? Weight, glucose levels. Um, uh, blood, oxygen, saturation, all this kind of stuff. And it's kind of nice because I think we were talking about this on episode one. All these things are very hard to do with one device. It doesn't make a tremendous amount of sense. And duh, obviously they can't be done with one device yeah. and they're very specialized. So not everybody needs them. And um, so instead, and I think you can get more information from um, having this info in one place. So maybe your weight by itself, maybe that doesn't tell you a whole lot, but maybe that plus your glucose levels, um, you know, maybe or plus your step, maybe, you know, you could, you can see certain things that are correlated um, and you could, you could get more, more information, like more usable information versus just having these things live in their own silos. Absolutely. Um, And so I think this is Apple's sort of good way of saying, um, hey, here's the framework. This is how it works. We want third parties to be part of this. Um, And they're not really commenting on whether or not they're making anything that sort of addresses this stuff for themselves later this year. Yeah. But they're, you know, clearly I think this shows that they don't have the hubris to think that they can take it all on themselves. They know that other developers and other devices are going to be necessary. So they're outsourcing that and they might still do something that's, you know, got some of that running stuff later, but um, yeah, I, I think this is a great move. There's crazy, um, there's crazy um, implications of this as well. And they even mentioned, and again, this is one of these things that flew by that I want to read again, but they had, um, there are ways that you can opt in and you can have, um, your health or your health app or your health kit, whatever, reach out to your physician proactively. If, and if your heart rate seems wrong or something like that. Yeah. So it can, there's a, uh, a Mayo clinic. Is it Mayo clinic or Mayo clinic? Everyone, everyone loves to call it the Mayo clinic. The Mayo like clinic. Mayo clinic. So, um, so it can reach out to the doctor and be like, Hey, you know, you have to, you have to get off your, your, uh, lazy butt here and do some exercise because your glucose levels are going through the roof and you know, Hey, it could be pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, or like we are calling, uh, we're calling an ambulance for you right now because you are going to die. Yeah. Cause your heart, there's some serious issues with your heart rate. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, very. Can very you believe cool. that this could actually save someone's life? Yeah, I mean, if it works, if it works at all, I mean, this could be massive. And of course, we're we, you know, we have yet to see how this affects people's lives. I think, you know, as being young, young-ish, thirty-somethings, we we may not really be able to consider all some all the use cases. But oh. I mean, there could be other things in terms of falling you know something to sort of say that hey i've fallen uh, and yeah. I, you know i'm hurt and i cannot you know get myself up yeah <laughs> that was the weirdest something way of like saying that. that ever yeah uh, but you know <laughs> i mean baby boomers are aging and more and more of this becomes relevant even like to our lives like our parents and our grandparents and true um, true so all this stuff um I think has a potential, like a really big impact that, you know, maybe we're not even, we can't even see right now, but I think it will be, I think that is the future. Um, and this is just a first, this is just a first stab at it. It's very, yeah. parts of it are kind of basic, but at least it's showing kind of 
maybe it's giving some developers some some tools to build with and specifically also developers who make hardware that apple is not interested in making yeah um and that goes on forward to something called HomeKit, which is the same type of deal. It's a set of APIs. It's a place for you to put um, all your sort of connected gadgets that close garage doors. Uh, maybe you have a connected door lock. You have connected lights that turn on and off remotely. All these things now, you know, Apple doesn't want to make those light bulbs, those garage door openings, and those door locks. They just want to make the thing that talks between them. And you have these things all, you know, basically interacting in one place. And once they do that, you have the thing where Siri can just say, uh, Siri, turn off all my lights and all the lights in your house go off because you've spent a million dollars on these remote control lights because you're a, a crazy person. Siri, strobe out all my lights, turn my disco music to max. We're going to get crazy. Dance party, dance party. You probably could, Siri, dance party. And then you could probably have a program set to do that. I mean... Wow. Adam, I think um I think we've just had our first our first million dollar app idea. Yeah, yep. Yep. We we just right. the instant dance party. Wow. Ah, shoot, I better I better learn this new development language. Yeah. Oh um, yeah, let's talk about that. That's pretty cool. All right. Well, I don't really know much about that um because I'm not a big enough nerd to actually know anything about programming. Let's talk about it s- swiftly. Yeah. Well, <laughs> uh I think um, uh, the coolest thing about it is that it's something that is a common programming language that works with um, the C and Objective-C. And what that basically means, it works alongside the um, thing that uh, Mac OS ten users... Uh, wow. it's a, Hold on a second. It works alongside C and Objective-C. And that means people that develop for OS ten on the Mac and people who develop for iOS on the iPhone and iPad, have a common language now. And so if you learn that, you can sort of learn how to develop for both of them, which is huge. And it's another part of reasons why continuity across these two devices is going to get a lot easier for developers to actually deliver um, because they can build it once or build one thing that's very similar to itself rather than two very different clients. Um, Yeah. I mean, there's a lot. I don't know a ton about developing in iOS but Objective C, I think, had major, um, sort of outdated ways of dealing with memory management. And there's certain nerdy programming things that were harder than they needed to be in um, Objective C. And now there's, it seems like developers are are over the moon with this new programming language, which. As you mentioned, it runs alongside C or Objective-C. It's called Swift, and it simplifies a lot of this development. Yeah, and it's it's unified across both of their platforms. Um, So it's huge. And it's basically, it is a complex, high-level language, um, whereas Objective-C has always been... Very low. a very low level, very low level language with, uh, you know, it, it ran fast and, and was very, uh, it ran really fast, but was difficult to code for. Whereas this is something that's easier to code in and still has great performance, actually, apparently even better performance. So that's tremendous. Uh, I, but I can't really talk about it much more. Yeah, I've done, my programming is pretty limited. Um, I mean, I've, done some stuff in python i've done some you have yeah and uh at good old wes i didn't know that that's awesome yeah i've done some stuff but um it's been it's been a while you know um Man. but this okay. ma- this makes me excited this makes me excited to like get in and do some coding really oh sh- oh man we should learn yeah we really probably should learn actually yeah, why not all right, you want to blow through some other ones? Well, I I don't know what else what else is there. Uh, in, oh, this has been one that's been killing me. Is that notifications are a million times better in iOS now? You can actually just respond to a text right there. You don't actually have to open up the Messages app in order to respond to somebody's text. You know, you don't have to walk out of Safari or or get kicked out of Instacast or whatever it is, or even out of the game that you're playing. Um, you get to respond to it right there, and then bloop, you send it off. Which is um, that's like a um, that's like an Android feature, yeah. Um, that Apple's borrowing. Um, it's been desperately needed. Yeah. Um, 
And since I started using Alfred, I've kind of wanted that same functionality on my iPhone, but the, you know, the spotlight search never really did that. Now it will search for things on your phone, it'll search for things in the App Store, it'll search for things in iTunes Store, and it will search for things online. Um, so the spotlight is, that's gotten beefier on Yosemite is now beefier here too. And that is awesome sauce. Yeah. And then what's the other things? I mean, those are the, those are the main ones really that, that I, you know, I'm really crazy about. Uh, oh, also, other thing in uh, Notification Center is now you have um, developers can make widgets. You can put those widgets in your Notification Center. So uh, on iOS 2, it's going to be a lot more widgety and interesting. You know, you'll have your little calculator there. You'll have your your sports stats. Yes. <laughs> you'll have your stocks. You'll have your whatever. Sports ball. Sports ball stats will be uh, you know, available at a glance. But I no, I do think that that lock screen is going to become a lot more useful. Um, so it, it's, you know, these are, these are big things that needed to happen and they all happened. Yeah. The messages app is going to get a lot more useful. I think um, they have all these cool features. They sort of borrowed I think they've borrowed a lot of stuff. Um, one is really like a WhatsApp type feature where if you're in a group text message, you can add people to it or take people away from it. Like basically make your own forum. You can share your location um, for like an hour or a day or whatever. If you want to with people on um, your message thread, so, I mean, what I just keep thinking about is all these times I've done productions, you know, do a recording project or something like that. You're coordinating all these people and you don't even have to send out all these messages like, hey, where are you? Like, are you at the venue yet or whatever? Right. It's just if they're sharing, if they're sharing the location, you know, you, you'll know that your drummer has not left his apartment yet. <laughs> And um, so it's always the drummer. Always the drummer. And you can sort of send like the like uh, little voice messages in line. You can send videos in there. Yeah. And then um, they don't hold that on your phone. They can delete that, I think. Uh, and then you can sort of call it back later. And if you're like, oh, I, where where's that picture Dave sent me of the um, of the Sharpay Corgi mix that he found on the street, <laughs> the Sharporgi? Well, I can't find it, and I don't feel like searching through seventeen hundred things. So I can switch over, and there's like a media view that shows you all the pictures you guys have sent back and forth, and all the videos, and all the voice things. So you just get right at that s- stuff rather than having to sort of you know search back through a million things in line. I mean. Yeah. And then best of all, when people are being as annoying as hell uh, on a really noisy yep. ass um, thread, you just opt out. It's like, no, I'm done here. You I'm leaving mute, the thread. You can mute a text message conversation, like a group chat, or you can you can leave it if you want to. So, yeah, just be like, I'm out. Yeah, there's always, that's always the thing. Um, a bunch of people say like, hey, do you guys want to do dinner? Oh, I don't know. And and Adam just says, oh, no, I can't eat dinner. I have a thing. But then you still get the 20 other text messages that are like, hey, are we getting Thai food? And you're just like, oh, damn it. Yeah, exactly. I need new friends. Um, I mean, thank God. This, this, is, this is so necessary. It's yeah. just unbelievable. Friendships will be saved by that. Yeah, it might, it might make things better. Um, so... I guess the other thing, one thing that I sort of took away from this immediately, um, just looking at this whole thing was um, intentionally or unintentionally, it seems like Apple is, is taking competitive steps away from Google or Apple is doing things that, that affect Google and affect Google negatively in, this, um, in these releases. Absolutely. So um, one thing you mentioned was the the search. Um, so if you're doing a spotlight search on your computer um, and you hit command spacebar, you type in, you know, whatever artist you're searching for or whatever, maybe you don't have to go to the web browser and you don't have to see that ad that Google would normally serve you. I'm not sure if this is how much this particular, the search thing is Apple being like, yeah, you know, F you Google, but it's definitely how many people 
go to a web browser, the way that they find stuff on the web is they go to their web browser, they go to google.com, they have it load, and then they put in, you know, whatever they're searching for. Um, the smarter, you know, smarter people right now would just punch it into um, their address bar. Yeah, the address bar, or if you're using Flash search bar, yeah, or the search bar on the right. And I think a lot of people probably don't even know about that. But why even, you know, that's another level of abstraction. Why even have to go into the the web browser and then click on the thing? Why not just? I mean, you could do searches so much faster from your desktop, right? And on your phone, you just pull down and start typing. Instead of having to go to Safari and then start searching for a Google thing, you just pull down and start typing. Yeah. Um, you know, they also attempted to do this with Siri. Hey Siri, what's uh, tell me about? I cannot think of it, literally anything. Tell me about we use sales numbers. Okay, and Siri will go find that for you on Google or Bing or whatever, and it will serve you ads. But um, you know, it's it's uh, it's. I, that worked really worked with my dad, but it didn't work with me. Like that wasn't that wasn't really what how I wanted to do it. But now I'm just going to pull down and start typing in there, and I'm only going to get get the result. And I might start using DuckDuckGo because they give me the option. Yeah, this is a different um, search, uh, different search engine. Uh, DuckDuckGo. It's it's getting better. It's not as good as Google for sure, but it's it's getting better. And they don't do the same creepy tracking stuff. You know, Google's whole business is. Well, a lot of it is is built on serving you ads based on search. And as search gets more and more, you know, as it evolves, and um, if it's going to be voice control, if it's going to be something like this, uh, like Spotlight, you're seeing, I mean, it's changing. And there's less, I think there's less of an opportunity to serve ads against it. Um, at least in some of these formats. Oh, absolutely. Um, and even if you take that off the table, sort of the the diminishing ad revenue, which I think is definitely a plus that they're doing, and they're also just catching up with competitive features across the board. Like almost everything that Android now can sort of tout over um, over iOS, they've responded to and have either made as good a version or in some cases I think a much better version because they're user focused instead of being focused on basically <laughs> taking your information away. Um, including uh, uh, Siri is now hands free. You can just say, hey Siri, just like you said, hey Google, or okay Google now. Yeah, you need to have you need to have your phone plugged into a power source to be able to have um, this sort of live Siri functionality. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, that kind of makes sense because it's not really their mo to to listen to you. Well, no, it would just gobble your battery. Also, um, maybe so. That's pretty cool. Um, the other competitive thing I wanted to talk about, um, which also sort of relates to Google, is the state of the smartphone and the tablet and where we are right now, um, and where where it's been and where we're going with it. Yeah, when the you know when the iPhone first came out um it was sort of you know it was almost in in certain ways an accessory to your computer insofar as that you needed to plug it into your computer to transfer like apps over or music or um just various things like that you needed to plug it into your computer um you re you remember those days i was gonna say fondly but that's not true i remember them well yeah <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, and so that was like the first, that was like the first era of, of, um, that was sort of the first paradigm of smartphones and how they, how they sort of interacted with the computer. And then, um, Android to its credit, um, said, well, why do we even need to plug it into the computer? Like, why can't this just work out of the box? Why, when someone turns on a phone, do they now need to have a computer to plug it in and configure the the phone and all this? Why can't it just work out of the box? And um, so Android came up with this idea um, that, you know, it should just work out of the box and sort of be independent from the computer. Like it's its own island. It's its own thing. You don't need to hook it up. Right, right. And then Apple... Yeah, they, they pioneered that. Yeah, and then Apple adopted that, I guess, and like iOS four or something i don't really remember when it was it was either four or five i don't remember which either so that happened and now 
with continuity, we're seeing another thing here. And we're seeing that your phone and your computer can be, and your tablet can be like one thing. They can talk to each other. They can seamlessly share uh, data with each other. They can share files with each other. You can work on documents across these different devices without having to like email it to yourself. You can, um, you know, all this, all this stuff is like really, really cool. And what, what strikes me um, about this uh, is a few things. First of all, this is, this is obviously a better thing. Oh yeah. Like this is obviously a big step forward in improvement. And then the other thing is like, what is Google's competitive response here? Because they don't have a computer OS. They don't, they don't have, I mean, I guess you could say they have Chrome OS. Yeah. But, but a Chrome, but a Chromebook is not something that people use. It's, it's funny because the only person who could match this competitively is Microsoft. Microsoft, yeah, and it and I think it is interesting to see if Microsoft is able to pull off the same thing. And in fact, it feels like something that Microsoft would have been trying to do with Windows Eight. Windows Eight was supposed to be this whole, you know, works the same stuff works everywhere, except for it doesn't because they had they supported two entirely different chipsets, and that was a nightmare. But <laughs> if you have if you have uh, Intel based tablets and um, Intel based computers, you would think that there would be this sort of seamless interaction between you know a Surface and whatever PC you're using at home, and they never even went after this. Yeah, well, I mean, Microsoft. To be fair, I think their strategy with the Surface and like the new, I guess it's like the Surface 3 now or whatever, their whole thing is it's just one device. Why is there a tablet and a computer? Now you can have them both, you know? And um, oh, I guess that's true. I guess that's why they didn't go after it. It's kind of like that's their whole thing. Like you can have your cake and you can eat it too is basically what they're saying. Apple is saying now your your uh, phone is more powerful because it works with your computer. Your computer is more powerful because you can accept and make phone calls with it. Your tablet is more powerful because you can open up docs or web browser windows on your on your computer or your you know it really boosts the whole ecosystem. Yeah, you you can now answer your phone across the board. Yeah, it gives you a great reason to um, to lock in. Um, and really, really embrace the um, the ecosystem, which I'm surprised how many people I know have, like, they only have an iPad, and that's the only thing from Apple that they own. Or they only have an iPhone, because there hasn't really been that much of a benefit that's accrued to you from having all these different devices. But now it's like all the devices are making all the other devices better. I think it's going to be an incredible Halo product. You now say, wait, so if I get a Mac, if I'm doing something on my iPhone, it'll just, I can just pick it up on my Mac. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, I mean, I would not be surprised if, if, you know, the cheaper Mac sales go through the roof for this. Yeah. I think this is huge. And again, I mean, what do you think, what do you think Google's response is? Do they try to write something for Windows that will, let you do some of these sort of features. Maybe it's not that deep that they wouldn't be able to do something like that, but I don't know. Do they care? I'm hoping that they, that they become a little bit less focused on search, a little bit more focused on giving you great services, you know, services like Gmail that, you know, they use that in order to market to you. But Gmail is a wonderful email client. Yeah. Um, and they've done some great things and they've innovated tremendously in the world of email uh, because of that. Email sucked before Gmail, you know? Absolutely. It was terrible. Yeah. And it's it's still not great, but Gmail's done the best job, I think, out there. Um, it may sort of make them sort of go back to that kind of Google that's a little bit less worried about Google Now. I'm sorry, not Google Now. Um, Google Plus and a little bit more more worried about giving you something that's good enough that makes you want to use their products instead of something um, that connected. Um, and on top of that, I think it makes them push Android and the tablet form factor, perhaps. And then lastly, I think it's Google maybe finally starting to think of some other 
revenue model that's not just ads. I mean, th- that's what I've been waiting for. I mean, Google has so many talented and brilliant engineers. It seems ridiculous to me that that is the only way they can figure out how to make money. Um, so hopefully this is the beginning of them changing that course. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's so many, there's so many uh, different different projects out there. And I, I think in the past, you know, just on Google's plate on the past, I think I was kind of um, skeptical of the seeming lack of focus um, to all of Google's, um, all the different projects that they're pursuing and then killing. But, you know, this is all part of their process. Like as a company, this is their strategy. And it seems crazy to say, you know, our strategy is we build a hundred things and maybe 10 of them work and we kill the rest of them. But that's, that's what they've said. And that's, that's what it is. So, they definitely have a willingness to experiment, um, which, uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's different. It's a different mindset from, from Apple's mindset. But not with, but not with their business model. You know, I think their business model has not been something that they're so willing to experiment with. They experiment with products. They experiment with new technologies. They experiment with self-driving cars. They experiment with, you know, purchasing people for robots, but they don't really deviate from ads in, ter- in order to make money. Um, the biggest business model change they've made has been Google Plus, and that's been a pretty resounding disaster. And so I'm hoping that they can they can find something else aside from ads that's not just trying to copy what Facebook's doing in order to make even more ads. Um, I'm hoping that they can find another way to either sell things or just find some other way to create money. Um, because obviously they don't seem to want to do it with selling products, and that's fine. But uh, you know whether it's paid services, I what, yeah, who it's knows interesting. What it is. Like I would give, I would give Google money to opt to just have ad free versions of of different products and um, tracking free versions. I mean, what if they sold you privacy? Yeah, but you know it's one of these things. Like I don't think they want to be that explicit about. I don't think they want to put a price on what you're giving up. That's a good point. <laughs> like they don't want to say, Hey, this one is totally, you know, totally private. You know, I, I don't, I don't know if they, I don't know if they really want to want to open that up. No, I, I don't, they don't yet because that's where all of their money comes from. Um, and any piece that dismantles that is, is hurting their ability to sort of, you know, really be the most valuable marketer uh, in the world. But um, man, I would love I would love it if they could think of some other way to do it. Anyway, that's that's me daydreaming. Cool. I think we pretty much covered most of the most of the stuff uh, from from WWDC. Is there? Yeah, I don't know. Is there anything else? Are you excited for uh, excited for Dr. Dre to join the team? Oh, I'm, I am kind of excited. Um, they officially announced the Beats deal that we were talking about yep. last week or yep. a couple of weeks ago. Yep. They just want to get that out of the way, get that so it's not the big focus at the conference. Yep. And they kind, I think we kind of had it right, Dave. I mean, they're keeping the apps for Windows and for um, Android for Beats. The iTunes is not moving over. They're letting that be a they're letting that be a Beats thing. I think that was the one thing that we thought maybe you know we didn't get right. But they're keeping the headphones, they're still manufacturing them, and they're keeping them as a separate brand. And they're keeping you know Beats Music as the streaming brand. Um, and that way it doesn't cannibalize iTunes sales. So makes a ton of sense. So, and then the bigger, as far as the bigger scope and the bigger picture of this, um, we're, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Because most of the time, Apple acquires a company and you don't hear anything about it for like a year and a half like hey where's my where are my hop stop um subway directions like i want <laughs> i want that in ios 8 i mean i guess it's probably coming hopefully but they didn't talk about they didn't talk about that at all and i don't know when they bought it like a while ago maybe a year ago i'm not sure yeah oh interestingly enough yeah there are a couple things that uh were talked about that just didn't happen um i thought that was kind of interesting that um, Mark Gurman had a couple things like uh, split screen iPad usage and other things. They might still come by. 
they may still come for the final release. So, but, um, so what you mean by that is that you could open two apps at once on an iPad. Right. Um, and that's, a, it's a little bit clunky. Um, so we weren't really sure if we were going to see it and we haven't yet. Maybe we will. Uh, but I, I think there's still going to be some very nice device specific features coming as it always does for, uh, September or October. So oh, more, yeah. more's on the way. Uh, and I, I couldn't be happier. I can't wait. Yeah. I mean, this is, I think the release, at least I'm most excited about playing with, um, both the OS 10 release and the iOS release. Um, I'm, I'm just, I'm excited to get my hands on it and, and make, make everything work better. Hopefully fingers crossed. Yep. It's going to be, it's going to be amazing. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm uh, excited. Well, uh, we good to go. You want to do the Twitter thing? We good to go. Oh yeah. I'm at Dave all that's Dave a H L on the Twitter. And I am at Adam Layden tuck. That's Adam L E Y D E N T U C K. And, uh, that's it, everybody. Rock we rock. love you very much. We love your beautiful faces. <laughs> boys and girls were you telling me were you telling me to um was true detective the show you're telling me to watch oh my god yes you have to watch true detective oh i've been i've been watching it it's fantastic okay good i'm glad you wanted me to show you my 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 uh my wallpapers is the two of them i don't know if you can see that oh in like uh sort of 8-bit form yes oh that's beautiful really more vector form but you know oh i see la di da la Um, di da what about, um, boy, if I had known that T-Bone Burnett was doing the music for that, I would have been all over it because it's just so... He's amazing. It's so beautiful. The music for it is so nice and so well done. And Did you see the end of episode three? Yeah, 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 I did. That's but, a masterpiece of sound design. Oh, yeah, yeah. Where, yeah, with the little like static blips in there. Yeah, and it's just... Oh, it's absolutely chilling. The whole like monologue going into that. Yeah. I just, I love it. I love the shots. I love the music. I love the, I mean, the acting is good. The story is really good. It's just, just a tour de force so far. Yeah. I I love it. I oh, love it. Cool. I'm going to go, I'm going to go watch that now. All right. Kick ass, man. Talk to you soon. All right. See you soon. Bye.